as we're sitting here about to start, and I was trying to figure out how to start the show, I looked behind you, and I see a little sign on the wall, Jimmy, that says, Go-Karts, which made me realize oh, yeah. that you haven't given us an update lately on your Go-Kart build. Well, I have, I've collected all the parts, and I want to see if, how far. I want to really get through the boat mm. that I started working on. I'm working on a rowboat. And uh, it's funny, I noticed a few people just chatted with about the boat when I said I'm using the old planks from the front of the house to make the boat, they're picturing like a boat, like, like Ernest Shackleton would get caught in the ice. I'm building, oh. not building, like those planks get cut up into real thin strips. So the boat I'm making is like a cedar strip canoe, but instead it's in a rowboat shape. So rowboat shape. It's just like the canoe that I built. So just to clear that up, because a few people ask me, they're like, how are you going to bend that thick wood? It's going to be cut into thin strips. And yesterday... On the rowboat, I was able to put on for the first time the very first two planks, which establish oh, cool. the upper edge. So I finally got to that. The holdup for the boat itself has been whether I bead and cove each piece. So that would mean that there's like a concave on one side and a convex on the other so that they stack into each other. But I'm going to try a different technique where each one gets hand planed to the flat surface of the next one that it receives. But besides that, the canoe, um, besides the boat, rather, the go-kart, I have the parts, they're all piled right here. And I'm, f- I'm afraid I'm going to run out of time. So I'm thinking I might buy a frame, because there's plenty on Facebook Market, and then modify it to, to the vision I have, so that like a lot of the, lot of the stuff is already there. So I'm just going to, that's, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, if, also, if you run out of time, you have like half a boat and half a go-kart. <laughs> so you know, putting those together yeah. into... Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. that's a really good idea. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so there's five million views right there. So that's <laughs> happening, and yeah, called a go, go boat. Go boat. Yeah. No, the go kart sign is from the actual go kart track. The guys that I bought it from, they cool. owned it for about 35 years, and they would hand make everything. I mean, they weren't very good at hand making everything. <laughs> hand made signs. <laughs> All so hand made things was, are beautiful. It was, it was, everything they did was very charming. Like, you look at it, you're like, oh, they think they know how to letter. Mm. Oh, so it says go-karts, like, looks like it was written by a first grader. But that was the sign, like, go to the go-karts, don't stand here. No smoking past this mm. line. You know, all these handmade signs were, like, really horrible. And, and I would have saved mm. all of them, but they painted everything with, like, a latex paint on metal, so... All the signs were barely readable. It was one of the only ones that you could read because all the paint had peeled oh, off of yeah. them for the most part. You could still read them, but it was just like not fun to look at. It wasn't a good antique. So the boat has been the thing you've been uh, been into lately, working on? Well, I'm, t- I'm kind of taking a break this week because, you know, my videos aren't performing very well. So I'm going to just like take a break and just see if that even helps. But in the interim, I'm going to use this to just catch up on everything. I started a really cool build, a metal build, and I'm making two, I don't know if I should say it, but I don't, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm making two mini smokers, two mini barbecue smokers. I got hired to make that as a gift for somebody. So two mini barbecue smokers, and it's cool figuring out how to use scale material. I'm going to basically use plumbing pipes, big, the, the, Smoker itself is going to be 22 inches wide by six inch pipe. It's going to have two doors on it, so it's going to look like a smoker you'd see on the back of a big trailer. So I've been 
starting, so this week I started that project. I'm working on the, uh, the rowboat. And then I posted a video on Instagram and YouTube of my punch press, my, it's like 1930, 1930s. A lot of people keep asking, like 1930s punch press for stamping the ice picks. A few weeks ago, me and Rob, <clears throat> I have this big antique fly press, which does the same thing, but it doesn't regulate how, how far down it goes. If you stamp it really, if you spin the fly press hard, you'll get a really deep press. You might even crush the pick, like to make it un, unsellable. If you do it too light, you got to do it again. Hopefully you land in the same spot. So that was the way to do it for a long time. And I have the magic touch. Anytime somebody else does it, they either do it too deep or not deep enough. So I was doing them and I said, you know, we need a punch press. So Rob Rojas, who's been working with me, went online and said, this is available. And the guy who I bought it from, Wasco Tools in Western Connecticut, he knew me. And I realized we were following each other on Instagram. I didn't know. I didn't realize that. And we had chatted before, but I didn't realize it was the same person on Facebook. So we connected and he drove it out to me to come hang out for a few hours and dropped it off. And that was about a month, two months ago. So I finally got to making the die that goes inside of it. And I made it about a week ago, but it needed much more adjustment. And now I got it working really good. It seems to work really good. So I was going to have a professional one made, but I'll just keep running this one out to see. It It does exactly with the results that I want. It's like perfect every time. And the adjustability is really, really sensitive, but perfect. So like if it's not deep enough, I just turn this screw like about a 50th of a turn and then it goes, it's so much better. It's really. So I have a question about the first press, the flywheel press that you were using before. Yeah. If that is based on how hard you spin it Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's, it's manual there. What was that used for originally? Uh, That could have been used for punching out bearings so just huh. like punching bearings through like uh, casings or you could use it as a leather press, a leather die cutter. You know, there's lots of things where as long as you don't go too deep, like you could bury a die cutter into the to the receiver plate too deep. And then, right. you know, the only thing you'll do is put a big dig in the receiver plate. But with an ice pick, if I overstamp it, I could squish the yeah. whole area where the, the logo is too deep. And I have a few of those. Occasionally when people come by and they want an ice pick, I usually give, we give away the ones that we would consider non-passable in the QC uh, procedure. We just look at it and we decide, we call it friends and family. We just throw it in a bin. So when people show up, they just give those away. But the fly press could have been used for a lot of things. Actually, uh, a lot of guys use them for blacksmithing too. It's just like you would use hmm. a power hammer. But it's, it's not quite as efficient. Uh, or you could yeah. use it for uh, just like the punch press. You could put a cutting die on it so that you would stamp a hole in or through something completely. So it wouldn't matter if it goes through. It was just a universal tool that was used for, you know, I, I can only imagine that guy went into the machine shop in like 1900 and said, like, I need to put a lot of pressure on here. And if I use this nut and bolt, it actually puts a lot of pressure on the other side. Can we make a big giant one? And the guys in the machine shop are like, yeah, we could figure that out. And then they're like, what if there was somebody really far away pulling the wrench? We're like, oh, you know what? Let's put a bar in space and put a big weight on it. So by the centrifugal force, it'll make it. You know, so I always just imagine like the four or five engineers chatting up, making that thing. Chris Zepp just mm-hmm. got a really, really cool fly press that he was posting stories about. 
over the weekend, he, him and a couple guys came for the blacksmithing event and a couple guys traded tools. And one of the tools that Chris got was a really, really old fly press. Really cool looking. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Cool old stuff. Well, uh, David, other than the jets flying over your house, you've been pretty quiet. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on outside, but these fighter jets keep flying over. Um, I'm not worried. I'm <laughs> not worried. <laughs> uh, I've been playing with vacuum press veneering, and um, I thought I would experiment a little bit with it before shooting the video. So we're actually going to shoot the video tomorrow. Um, but I'm really this is what I'm all about this week is just playing with vacuum press. So I've, I've successfully veneered a flat board. Uh, the, the, the reason I went, uh, the reason I'm doing this is because I couldn't find walnut plywood around here. And so I decided to make my own and learn a new skill at the same time. So I got a vacuum bags. I already had a, a vacuum and, and, um, so today I'm going out and playing with some, some curved stuff. I'm going to, just all off camera, but I'm going to try to make this like spiral sculpture type thing. And I don't know. I'm just really, I'm really into it. I got a book and the book was really well written and it was short and digestible. And I just feel like I, I completely, I get it. And I'm just, this is what I'm, this is what I'm doing all week. So hopefully it's one of those things that opens up a lot in my future woodworking projects. Have you, have you come across anything like, you didn't expect or learn something that you you know weren't looking at i i the thing that i discovered was it's not as cumbersome or as difficult as i thought it would be like uh the biggest issue is just keeping the when unrolling the bag and the bag wants to roll back up right that's that's really you put a platen in there and everything everything is cool i don't know it just it just seems like my shop is very set up in a way where all the tools are accessible if i need to use the disc sander it's right there if i need to use i don't have to pull out the planer everything is right there and so anytime i add a new tool that is not right there and it's put away and i feel like i have to get out there's this this totally. weird barrier. I'm 100%. like, oh, I got to get that thing out. Yeah. Um, this is one of those things. And maybe it's one of the reasons I've, I've put it off is just because it's not something that's always right there. Like when I go to Kencraft, they have a room and they just have a veneer press table. Oh, wow. Like they could do veneer pressing all day. So it's just this big lid that lifts up and they can stick their boards in there, veneer it, and then put the lid down and, and suck all the wow. air out. Um, I won't be able to do that, but uh I'm really hoping to add some more curved work into my future or just weird, crazy, awesome, uh, veneered designs, just working, playing with patterns. Hmm. The only time I've ever done anything like that, I made a skateboard, uh, like many years ago now. And I found a company that made kits, you know, specifically for skateboards. And so you could buy all of the different layers of ply and the bag that was, you know, shaped pretty much for a long board and came with all the fittings and everything you needed. And so it was pretty straightforward. It wasn't just like finding some veneer and then finding a thing that you want to put it on and figuring out how to get a bag that's big enough. It was, it was pretty easy to follow through. But mm-hmm. um, the form I used was 
that pink insulation foam, I think. Man, it's been a really long time. Did that work? It did. Did it hold? Yeah, it held well. Okay. Um, Man, that's, that was a really long time ago. I'm pretty sure I cut that out on like a really tiny CNC to give it the three dimensional shape. But I was surprised that not having any experience with any of that stuff and lining up probably seven or eight different plies at a time, all glued up in the press, all that, you know, I, I just kind of didn't expect it to work and it worked. I had to go back and, you yeah. know, add some glue to a couple little spots between plies on the edge and reclamp them after it was done. But it was, it was surprising. So one of the, so one of the things that I learned in the book is usually there's, there's, there are some vacuum press veneering videos and vacuum press, uh, laminate videos on YouTube, but not a lot. And I've always kind of pictured vacuum presses like you put everything in a bag and then that ba- and then you, there's a platen in there and everything is just kind of like formed to that, that flat surface. And one of the things in the books explains is you can put your, your laminates or your veneers in the bag itself and then wrap that bag around another piece to get like crazy curved work, which I have not seen oh. on, hmm. on YouTube. And, um, and so you, you can wrap the bag around things and then clamp, you know, just with a few clamps, clamp it to your, your curved form. And then when you turn the vacuum on, it pulls all the air out. And of course, all the laminates, laminates are completely flat and together. And then at the end, you pull it all off and it just, it just maintains the shape. There's a little bit of spring back, but I've never seen it used that way. And that really opens up a lot of possibilities of doing some crazy sculptural type yeah, things. I've never seen that either. That's pretty cool. Awesome. Um, well, for me, well, well, uh, I was out at the farm all last week. We're up against the, the deadline thing again. And so Jimmy, when you said you were taking a break, I'm kind of feeling that. <laughs> like, yeah. We're 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 up to just making videos and getting them done in enough time to just barely get them out on our schedule, and we're jumping right into the next one. Yesterday, Josh made the joke about like, yeah, well, you finished that one, so forget about it and move on to the next thing, and just keep going, you know. And yeah. it's like the the hamster wheel has has caught us again. So that's not a great feeling, and I kind of I would love to take a week and just not do that. But anyway. Um, so last week I was out at the farm building a climbing, I'm not really sure what to call it. It's like a climbing wall, but it's four-sided. So it's like a freestanding chunk, little <laughs> climbing wad. I don't know what you call it. It's a it, it's like a four-sided climbing structure thing with a deck surface on the top of it. And um, I did that next to, pretty close to our... Um, launch pad for our zip line out there there there's a little like maybe six foot gap in between them because eventually I want to connect them so you can climb up the climbing wall thing and then cross somehow to get to this other platform and then so eventually I want to have a bunch of different platforms out there that are all kind of connected for the kids to play on but uh you know basically it's just a four-sided climbing wall and two of the sides are vertical we're pretty close to vertical and then the other two sides I, I was able to add you know some some like overhang type stuff to them and create some shape and I didn't really have a plan going into it I mean I knew that it was going to be four-sided but as far as the shape of the framing 
for a climbing wall, you just frame everything out in two by fours or whatever, and then you just sheet it with uh, plywood. And so I was able to just kind of start at the bottom and build up and create a little framed in section, you know, and kind of put it up at an angle and then build something to fill a little gap and build another little thing to fill a gap. And so it didn't, it's fun to do that because it can change as you're going. But then when you get done, it's never as finished as it would be if you were, you know, just building a deck or building a, like a closed in structure because you're having to cut all these weird triangles and little panels to fit everywhere and all that type of stuff. So, but I mean, it's for kids to climb on and for me to climb on. So we did that this week. It was nice to be working outside. It was great weather for it. Um, it's nice to be out there, even though it's tick season and they are everywhere. Yeah. Oh, like everywhere. And we have the, uh, Lone Star ticks here. You guys are probably a little far North for that, right? Do you have the Lone Star ticks? We have deer ticks, I, I guess. I don't know what the Lone Star ticks are. Okay, so super yeah, tiny. some of them can be super tiny. You'd be amazed. So Lone Star ticks are ticks with a white dot on okay. their back. They have a little white circle. And I can't remember if they're Kentucky and North or Kentucky and South. I could be wrong. I don't remember. But we got them. <laughs> um, and they have a little white dot on them. And they have some enzyme in them that if they bite you, there's a possibility. You turn into a tick. Then, yeah, you get superpowers. <laughs> no, there, it doesn't happen to everybody, but if they bite you and this enzyme reacts with your body in the right way, you become allergic to red meat. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. So, weird. I really like hamburgers. That's that's the opposite of a superpower. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess your like, cholesterol probably improves, but uh, yeah, so this... I've seen these before, and... I, you know, I mean, we always wear bug spray and stuff out there, but they still get on you. But I've never had one of those attached to me. But I, anyway, I found one of these things while I was out there this week, and I felt something on my arm, and I looked down, and there's this tick crawling with a big white dot on its back, and I'm like, you know, for cheeseburgers, and flicked it and <laughs> squished it. And, uh, I don't, don't want to lose my ability to, to eat meat. Anyway, so keep an eye out for those ticks this season and all seasons if you're around. But uh, the bugs were we're definitely ramping up it's it's that season out there but it was nice to work outside so that's what i've been doing and then uh actually yesterday we came back and started shooting things at the shop and real everybody who was here was looking around like it's been a really long time and after talking about it we realized that we probably hadn't really made a video in my shop in over well over a month like it's been month and a half or two months or something because we worked, you know, been doing Carmen Gia stuff. We did this thing outside of the farm. We did stuff at the building. We've done something at Megan's house. And it's kind of weird, you know, to like walk into my shop and have it feel like, oh, I haven't really been here in a long time. Still been working, but just not here. A little strange. Have you noticed I wasn't working at the shop, the, we call it the warehouse shop, the dirty shop, in so long that <laughs> Rob went there? And he sends me a message. He goes, "What is it? A giant?" And what most people say, I never sh- I never saw the bird, but it was a a barn owl nest. Ooh. It was like three feet in diameter. Somebody, some animal, had collected tons and tons of grass and hay and brought it into the shop through a crack in the roof line and created this giant nest. And the other day, I noticed the camera had given because I set a camera up to watch it. And the camera had given me notification. I was all excited to look. And the, and the bird never came back since I found it. 
but it collapsed. So on camera at two in the morning a couple of days ago, it just fell off the wall. It was kind oh. of wrapped up in the wiring and stuff. And it's a metal Morton building. So it's, it's like some structure it was able to attach to. And the weight of it, it finally just let go. But it was crazy. I mean, this owl mm. must be the size of, of, a, of a fat cat. It must be the the, the, <laughs> the mooring this thing made was crazy. It's a, it looks like a, it's like a giant. It's like half of a, a, hay, a hay cube. What do you call those things? Like a haystack hay bale it's like hay about bale? it's like about a third of a hay bale as far as volume of material it's crazy wow so now it's just on the floor in your shop yeah it's all tangled in the wall and everything i gotta gotta <laughs> cool go there, throw it away that sounds fun a few years ago we found a dead owl in oh. the driveway just a big massive dead owl and my buddy was over and uh and he's like oh i got a friend who who does amateur taxidermy can he have it i was like yeah and so he calls his friend and his friend's like yeah i want it but it is absolutely illegal in ohio to transport an owl dead or alive because they're they're protected and you can't prove that you didn't kill the owl so uh i mean he took it and hit it in his car like it was a bag of drugs <laughs> just in case he got pulled over for any particular reason. Well, this is a funny story. That's we were driving, Taylor and I were driving many years ago. This is about seven or eight years ago. And she's like, stop. And I pulled over. I go, what up? And she gets out and she runs all the way back. She comes back to the car with a, I'm, I'm, hopefully I'm remembering the right word, a yellow warbler wrapped up in a napkin. She's like, mm. this was dead on the side of the road. She's like, these are extremely rare or hard to find. And she wrapped it up and brought it back and put it in the freezer and reached out to a couple of taxidermy people we know. And they all said, well, I can't do it. I'm not allowed to do it. That's so, wild. I don't know. I'll tell you another funny dead bird in the refrigerator story. I just reminded myself. <laughs> so did I, I must have told this story at one point. So I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. But I have... Uh, I lived in an apartment with my previous girlfriend, Heather. We were together for five years in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And... We had, she bought these beautiful little bird, birdies, finches or whatever. And we had them. And one day we came home and they were both dead. The cat had figured out how, because we had a cat too. The cat had figured out how to get all the way up into the corner of the apartment, climbed on a few things and like swatted the cage. The birds got out of the cage. Anyway, they were both dead, but they weren't, they weren't mangled, but they were dead from like shock and scariness. And so Heather at the time thought, maybe we'll have them taxidermied because they're such beautiful birds. So she wrapped them up and paper and put them in the freezer and like four years goes by and she never finds anybody and every time we clean out the freezer there's like a little envelope it's like a little gift bag with two frozen birds in it and we split up i i leave that apartment i live in the neighborhood but i'm and then i notice that they're gutting the building and redoing my apartment specifically like my floor and i see my refrigerator on the sidewalk the one that i lived with for 17 years in this apartment and I go over to my refrigerator that's on the sidewalk getting ready to be thrown into a dumpster truck. And I open up the freezer and in the freezer is the bag <laughs> with the two dead birds. In it. <laughs> Not cold anymore. <laughs> Not cold anymore. <laughs> but they must have been freeze-dried at that point. Uh, I didn't open the bag. I just I took a picture of it. I'm sitting there. <laughs> Still want these guys. <laughs> yeah. And, but now that I said that, I don't know where the, I don't know where the yellow warbler went. I know. Taylor tried to find somebody to, to taxidermy it, but a few people we contacted said, nope, it's against the law. So I don't know. I, ultimately, I, maybe it's in my refrigerator. I don't think so. 
<laughs> It'd be awesome if you went to look for it and you're like, man, there's a whole bunch of dead birds in here. Like, how does this keep <laughs> yeah. happening to us? But I found, I, I came up when I was living in the city coming up here on the weekends, I found a beautiful baby owl dead in the driveway. It was such a beautiful animal. And I didn't, I did not put it in the freezer. I ended up just leaving it out in the woods. But it was a beautiful little, it looked just like a puppet. It was so incredibly mm. like majestic, but it was only about 10 inches tall. Hmm. So I told you guys about the my wife get, taking care of the hummingbird yeah. while we were in England. So it finally flew off, and I'm sure this is why people tuned in to listen to us talk about animals. But um, <laughs> it finally flew off one day, and the kids went out and looked for it, you know, in the trees near to see if it had, like, if it had made it or if it just got stuck somewhere and fell down again. And we could never find it, so we assume that it's gone. But since then... This place that she's been volunteering at now has um, baby skunks. Oh, wow. And so she had, and they're like smaller than the palm of your hand. It turns out that the patterning on a skunk is in the skin as well as the hair. Hmm. So even without fur or hair, I guess it's fur, on them, you can still see the, the black line like on their skin. So she had this one that she's been bottle feeding and its eyes aren't even open. And so she's holding this tiny little thing in her hand and bottle feeding it with a little eyedropper. And um, and then the other day they got three more that are a little bit bigger, but they're still small enough for you to hold in their hand. But they've got fur and their eyes are open and they make these really weird sounds. And, and then she came home yesterday and they have like a baby fawn that's about the size of a cat. They found it when it was two days old. It's really, really tiny, hmm. and they've been nursing it back to health, and it's walking around and, you know, licking everybody and trying to follow everybody. And so she comes home all, every day with all these, like, That's really cute. crazy stories. I wonder if it's like, it's like Russian roulette hanging out with baby skunks. I, I wondered that, too. She hasn't come <laughs> home smelling terrible yet, but, yeah, it's bound to happen. Like, yeah. you just make them mad once, and then it's, you know. Yeah. But, anyway, hmm. so that's my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we kind of had an idea today, Jimmy. What what were you thinking about talking about today? I was just saying, like, what's what's your latest? What's what's the latest uh, thing that's turning you on? Like, what's your latest obsession? At least this week, what do you got that's that you've been playing with? Because I started thinking about it about a week a week and a half ago. I went to the city for the day, and I said, while I'm in the city, let me go to B and H, which is Jocko's favorite place in New York. And I went and just looked at camera equipment, and I knew I was going to buy something. So I ended up upgrading my whole camera system, and I've become obsessed with my new camera. I ended up getting a Sony. Now, the model numbers are all very finicky. It's, I think it's the A3S, I think. I noticed a lot of... A7S3? That sounds about right. And uh, I really, really love it. And I got the two very expensive lenses. I said, you know what? I don't do this often. I do this about once every three years, so let me just upgrade for good. And I went from a Canon R, which I love, but it looks like the bottom of a art class floor at this point. It's got thumbprints <laughs> all over it. It's like I tried my best to keep. And I'm looking at this beautiful Sony, and I'm like, wow, this camera is very expensive, and I could just can't wait to see it in about four months when it's got resin thumbprints on it, and I got to pop the switch <laughs> with this with an ice pick because I got crazy glue down the button. But I'm going to try my best not to let that happen. But um, <laughs> it'll happen. I'm really having, like you could see in the latest video I did, the the chair video where I made the leather and wood chair, I'm 
the lenses that I got are really good. You can get really nice selective focus. And I'm really, really geeking out on the lenses for this camera. I got like a little bit of a zoom and then a wide angle. I got a 14 millimeter wide angle. And it's funny, for so many years, all the, the sensors were half the size. So you get a 14 millimeter and it's not really a 14 millimeter. You get a 28 and it's not really a 28. You know, I forget what the math was, but I just, I stopped caring about what the numbers meant because I just would always be like, what does it look like through the camera? So if I was ever going to buy a lens, I just said, let me see a camera with that lens on it. So I just get an understanding because the numbers stopped having real meaning. But now they have real meaning again because these cameras all have full sensors. And it's just uh, something I've been really excited about. And I don't know. I thought I'd talk about it. And uh, you know, so the, the, other, the other thing too is that DJI mic that I've been playing around with. Bob, Bob and I were in England mm-hmm. together, and I had the mic with, on, with a little microphone attached to it. We were having fun with that. But that thing is so incredible. I bought it brand new. The DJI mic comes with two clip-on mics, and unfortunately, right out of the package, one of the two clip-on mics didn't work. And after going back and forth with DJI like 10 times, I finally just gave up and said, I'll just buy another one. I'm not going to put this in a box and send it to them. I'm in the country. There's no easy way to mail anything. So if I have to mail anything by UPS or FedEx, I have to drive 40 miles. So, yeah, it's a pain in the butt. Um, So with the camera, I mean, other than the lenses having, you know, a different quality, is there anything about the camera that... I find it much easier to use than the Canon. The reason I stayed away from the Sony for so long is because I didn't know if it had touchscreen or not. So I said, let me just figure this out without having to ask, like, sound like an idiot. (coughs) I went into the store and just started playing with them. And I'm really impressed with the, the menus and just the ease of use. I, I stayed away from Sony for so long because I just assumed that the menus and everything were going to be just a, another thing to get used to when you start working with it. Sony has a history of bad Yeah, menus. that's why I, that's kind of why I went away from Sony because not mm-hmm. only are the menus bad, but a lot of the newer cameras when we started getting into this were not touchscreen. So you have to navigate everything through the little joystick, which was really a pain in the butt. And so now that they're touchscreen, it makes it a lot easier. And then there's a couple of... Uh, I find with the Canon, what looks like it's in focus while I'm looking at the back screen, and then when I open it up on the computer, day later, once the footage, footage is over and done with, it's not in focus. It drives me crazy. I'm like, why? How come it looks so perfect on the camera? I blame my eyes more than the camera. But I noticed uh, a couple guys using the, uh, the Sony. It had this, I'm sure other cameras have it, but it has that little thing where everything turns red. When, yeah, zebra striping. Mm-hmm. Uh, zebra for overexposure, but then it's, I forget it's called, focus, something or other. Everything Beacon. turns red when it's in focus. It turns like a little red outline. And so that is another feature I've been using quite a bit. And I also feel like a little bit like, oh, now I'm like a pro. I feel like a pro. Because <laughs> on the show, some of the guys use shot with Sony stuff. Not, you know, the bigger Sony cameras. But I notice a lot of the show stuff, a lot of the production guys are all using Sony these days. So... Mm-hmm. I'm I'm obsessed with my new camera gear. It makes me want to shoot stuff. So yesterday, like although I'm not going to have a video out, a new video out this week, I have been shooting a lot of stuff. Like I said, the new barbecues I'm working on, the boat, and uh, just also shooting some footage for Instagram and that kind of stuff. So I'm just thinking of any excuse to pull the camera out and put it on the tripod and stop playing with it. A couple shots. You know what I've been doing lately too? And this work, my workflow has become so much more fun to do and i'll tell you what i've been doing 
Taylor is ripping apart the house. That's that Instagram I mentioned, 1790s farmhouses. Taylor destroying the house. So you guys can go see that. Um, so I have my computer. I usually have it either in the office, which now is completely gutted down to the studs, or in the kitchen. But the kitchen gets crowded now because everything in the house is discombobulated. So I came out to my shop. So I've been out in the shop and I've been working in the shop, making things. And then when I take a five minute break to have coffee or to answer some text messages, I sit at the computer, I put the chip in and I just edit the timeline. So throughout the day, I'll shoot like five or six shots. And then I just pop it in the computer that's sitting right here in the shop, which this is a situation, believe it or not, in 12 years, I've never had my computer in my workshop. Hmm. And so I've been editing throughout the day. So when I'm done at like seven or eight or nine o'clock, I don't have to go into the kitchen and edit for another hour because I've been editing throughout the day, every like five or seven takes, whatever. I'm like, you know what? Let me just see how that looks. That's another reason I've been feeling obsessed with the camera because I keep putting Mm -hmm. the footage in and looking at it in real time as opposed to waiting till the evening to go inside and edit. So it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And like I said, by the end of the day, I put together a secret and I, I'm working on the barbecue movie. I'm working on the boat. And I know there's another movie I'm forgetting about. So three movies I'm working on and they're all edited right up to the moment. Like the boat sequence, the boat is going to be like an hour long movie. I'm already like 13 minutes in and everything I've shot up till now is ready to go. I, I won't be ready with this until August or September. But as I'm working on it, I'm putting the timeline together. That's going to help so much. I know yeah. for me, if I shoot something that's going to go over weeks, if I don't edit it all while shooting, it makes it a nightmare. Weeks later, I, I, it just feels it just feels awful. Oh, it's just like oh, I remember I what remember I also edited and... the porch video while I was traveling. I forget wherever I just went recently, not in England, but maybe when I was in Wisconsin, I I edited the porch video completely. So that is not done yet. I also have uh, more footage to add to that once the porch poles come and we do a little bit of painting. And then that video will be done. I'm, I'm like, I'm prepared to drop a part one and part two, but I'm just going to wait a little bit longer to see. And then I could just put it all in one part. But the porch video has been done. And yeah, it's the idea of editing as you go is great. And the idea of editing in the shop, like while you go throughout the day is even better. So that's, I've been really having fun with that because I make better decisions because I'm like, oh, okay, you know what? I can go back and fake that shot right now. Like, for instance, yeah. the other day I shot a whole thing of me. If you watch the chair video, and I would say this in the voiceover for the Patreon, but if you watch the chair video, we, I popped in a couple of advertisements. I'm working with some router company. But I popped in an advertisement to kind of disguise the fact. I routered out the very first pockets, and I used the DJI action camera. And I like the quality of it, but when your chip breaks in half and you lose everything you shot, that's really annoying. <laughs> so yeah. on that particular day, I'm looking holding you guys up. This is that chip that broke completely in half. And it didn't break in half for any trauma or anything. I just like all of a sudden I'm like, I'm like, why won't it mount? Why won't it mount? And I pull it out and I just see a little crack in it and I just fall and the thing is just completely the only thing holding it together was the paint. Mm. So I don't mm. know how it cracked. But I'm also working on <clears throat> part two of the restoration of the backhoe. My brother has been here. My brother's an electronics uh, engineer. So he's been able to troubleshoot and figure out the wiring harness why all the gauges and stuff haven't been working he fixed most of them at this point so i shot all day long with the dji and throughout the day i was putting the footage on just to see what it looked like because it was so bright out i couldn't even tell what it was getting and so i was just making sure that it was at least getting some good stuff it was super harsh sunlight and 
It looked good. And then the very last shot I did that day, which wasn't downloaded, was that shot of the router. And so in the video, I fake it. I just turn the router on and pretend like I'm routering holes that are already there. <laughs> I went a little deeper just to make some noise. So it's a, but you, there's no sawdust coming out of the holes, but that's just me just recreating <laughs> that shot. But I'm glad all day long I shot probably about an hour's worth of footage of my brother working on the tractor. And if I hadn't been downloading it throughout the day, I would have lost a full day of shooting on that chip. So I'm becoming more reliant on that now. I'm like beginning to more and more not trust chips and stuff. And if I mm. shoot something that's really cool, I'm like, wow, I got to see it right now to make sure I have it. So does, I guess I've been coming just, obsessed with the camera filmmaking. Out of curiosity, does that camera, that new camera, have uh, dual slots? Does it have? It two? does. Yeah, you could shoot yeah. on both at the same time, right? I would, yeah, I would take advantage of that because we have had to fall back on the second card several times when we've lost something or one card got full. So yeah. our camera is kind of weird. It has two different types of cards in it. Not Mine like takes two, two types slots. of cards as well, too. It's, so it's yeah. two slots, so like, but they both both slots could take like this newer solid state chip. I don't even know what it's called. Um, so we have an SD and a QXD. That might be Which it. is just like a big, weird chip. But we, we use different sizes so that when one fills up, the other one probably still has room. Yeah. And that way we can, we're never relying on two cards to be on at the same time. Like, you know, to be swapped at the same time. Mm-hmm. So there's like this overlap. But we have run into a case where we filled up one card before and it has you know, rolled over to the other card and we've not lost a shot or something. So take advantage of that if you've got it, because it'll help. Oh, I'm remembering. So I forgot about the deck video, which is the front porch video, rather. And then uh, Keith Decent came over this weekend and he made a video. You'll see it on our Instagram. We shared a a video he made of him stitching up a rug of, of Chippy's face from a photograph. And so I have all that footage, too. And I, I was looking at the footage I have of that, and I know I've been interviewing him as he's been working, and I'm like, wait a minute, I know I have, like, a whole segment of an interview. I couldn't find it, so I had to go through my two GoPros last night, and I found it. The reason I didn't grab it earlier was because I left the camera on the table, and it filmed, you know when it just films 15 minutes at a time? It was like eight of those in a row. So the camera just sat here, oh, just gosh. filming the roof face up. It was laying on the table face up. So I, I didn't realize it was on that camera, but I was able to find the clip that I was missing. But, so I guess if, if I'm the, obsessed uh, with anything these days, it's my, my new Sony. I can't remember. What is the model number, Dave? If it's the same one I have, it's the A7S Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, I, what do you um, think of that camera? And... I absolutely love it. So basically, I get very obsessed with cameras, and I upgrade cameras quickly, maybe every two years mm-hmm. or so, because any kind of improvements in workflow, I am, I, I'm a sucker for. If I see something that's going to make my life easier or my videos better, I, I I will upgrade. And then the you know, if the camera's only two years old, it still sells well. You can sell it on KEH or back to B and H or even Amazon. Um, that one that one memory card that you're talking about, it's called a CF Express type mm-hmm. A and they are insanely yeah, expensive. The guy you offered uh, me one, it was like a hundred four hundred dollars four hundred dollars for a hundred and sixty gigabyte yeah. card. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't shoot you so you it takes the two types of cards. I get really obsessed about cameras too it takes the two types of cards but i can only uh shoot the high frame rate 
on super expensive cards. So I have a few of those, and that is it is quite the investment. Hmm. But they're they're super rigid. They're tough. They're not going to crack and break on you like the little thin ones or whatever. Um, so I have the Sony A7S3, and then I also have the Sony FX3, which is the exact. Oh yeah, I, same I see. Camera, I want to get one, of but it's it's the exact same camera, guts, internals. Uh, sound like a sturdy uh, body sensor, but it's yeah, it's it's a sturdier body, and all the buttons are made for videographers instead of photographers. Mm-hmm. So it's even easier to use. I went into the so store to buy that, each. but he said it's a two month wait. I could buy one on eBay straight away, uh, but you know, from a reputable seller, I'm not aware of. But yeah. Now, because I've been popping back and forth between the wide and the telephoto, I'm like, I need two bodies. I'm sick of doing this in my yeah. shop. I can't keep opening the camera up in the shop. Order, order, order the FX3. Yeah. I mean, it's the same camera, and the buttons are even easier to use because it's made for yeah. video, and it's got all the mounts over there. I could, I could talk cameras all day. <laughs> I love that stuff. <clears throat> um, and I just ordered the the new DJI drone, the 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 small one that fits within under the legal mm-hmm. um, regulations or whatever. And I've got the old DJI. I got I the Maverick. The I got model the model numbers. Are Maverick called. Pro. Mavic Pro. And it, and and I hate using it because every time I pull it out, I gotta put my phone in there, and then it's gotta update, and it's gotta yeah. do all this, <laughs> I this about stuff. That years ago. And I hate using my phone, and so now this one has the screen built into the controller, and that's just it's gonna make me use it more. So, um, man, maybe I'm obsessed about cameras this week. I, I know I got <clears throat> I got the DJI. I usually I had it when we were in England, Bob. But then that day I went to the city, I picked up eight thousand dollars worth of a camera equipment, and then I lost three hundred dollars <laughs> worth of camera equipment on the train. It fell out of my pocket. I lost my DJI. What? I lost my DJI oh, no. Mini Two. Yeah, and talk about footage. It's like I would love to have the footage more than the camera back. I, I was over there shooting my friend Mike yeah. Dubno, the millionaire machinist that Jocko did a movie about. And he's working on a new project, which is the whole reason I went to the city to hang out with, with Mike. He's working on a pretty cool project, a really machinist-intensive machine. He's making the, the, uh, the name escapes me, the thing that the planets float around on. What is that called? An That's ori. Sorry. An ori. Oh. Yeah. And he's making it out of brass. It looks really, it looks like it was made like in the 18, 1850s, really beautifully done. He's making five of them. So him and his team that came up wow. with the, the software to make the gears and the plan and everything. So I was filming him and I filmed him throughout the day uploading, just checking the footage because I was using the new camera and then also using the DJI action too. And just before I ended up leaving the city, I shot him for about 20, 30 minutes talking on the DJI Action 2 and put it in my pocket. And when I got all the way home, it was not there. So I lost it on the train, unfortunately. So that's a bummer. I mm-hmm. said, that kills me that I just, I just want the footage. So if anybody finds that camera, please, please give it back. <laughs> what are the chances that somebody sets in my seat on the Amtrak in New York that listens to this show? It's possible. Never. Stranger things have happened. <laughs> yeah. Stranger things. Well, David, what else is, uh, other than camera stuff, or maybe different camera stuff, what else has been really exciting for you these days? I mean, right now I'm really excited about the possibilities of the the vacuum press veneering stuff. Like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna play with some laminates and trying to shape these laminates around shapes. Maybe that obsession will go away if I have some fail, failures, but I I think I have a good a good grip on it. So um, that is my current like 
little mini obsession. One of my long-term obsessions is just collecting books. I have uh, like 400 woodworking DIY and, and art books. And during the pandemic, I couldn't really go out and get a lot of books because, you know, I, I get uh, the antique stores are closed or I'm just not staying inside. But now I'm going back out. I've been going to the Goodwills, been going to the antique stores and getting more books. And I just absolutely love, love, love books. There's, I, I can't express enough in words how much I'm obsessed with, with books. And, uh, and it's used. And I'm almost all, I do buy some new books, but they're almost all used. And they're like three or four bucks a piece. And they're such, they're so valuable to me. Hmm. I know there's a, a, a thing that, so Destin, uh, Destin Sandlin from Smarter Every Day, he goes to, every time he goes to a used bookstore, he buys every book by uh, C.S. Lewis who's this author, if you've ever heard of the Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. Lewis okay. wrote those. And he's written a bunch of different types of stuff. But um, one of Destin's things that he really enjoys doing is he buys every C.S. Lewis book he can find at every used bookstore he can find. Uh-huh. Which I think is kind of cool because then he has yeah. multiple copies of these, you know, they're paperbacks. I mean, they're not like expensive or rare or anything, but... He has a bunch of copies of all these books. So when he knows somebody that might enjoy this book or that book, he always has a bunch of them to give away and they don't cost very much. And, you know, kind of a cool thing. I love going to used bookstores when when I travel. And a lot of times, like if I go to the antique store or if I find a used bookstore, they'll have like a DIY section. And I'll just grab all the woodworking books. And if they're within reason, it's like sometimes these books are crazily priced for used books you know 10 15 20 bucks or whatever and i won't i won't get them and usually i just buy them out so i'll i'll leave with five or six books when we were in nashville for some dewalt thing do you remember i this was thinking about ago? that yesterday like five so years weird. ago anyway yeah. <laughs> it, it was it, it was a weird it was super it was, weird. A, it was a weird event yeah um but there somebody's like oh you collect books you have to go to this crazy bookstore outside of town and i went there and they probably had – it was just aisles and aisles and aisles of used books. And there was probably a 100 used woodworking books. Mm. And I just couldn't buy them out. <laughs> I bought a ton, but I couldn't buy them out. And one of these days I want to go back there. <laughs> I'm going to buy that store. Yeah. That's funny. I, I was thinking about that event yesterday. And I was trying to remember – well, because – okay. Well, I was looking at the making it – uh, Instagram yesterday, realizing that we have not posted a picture mm. there of anything for a very, very long time. <laughs> but there's a picture of the three of us from that that time I in Nashville. That. I have that picture on my phone somewhere. And I was like, man, what a weird event a long time ago that none of us really needed to be at. Like, I don't, I'm not sure why we were there, but it was a chance to hang out and be in Nashville. And Yeah, I think I'm assuming... They were just trying to get like social media photos online. So um, I met Zach from CH Fabrications that day. Oh yeah, um, and and, and his, his wife Tracy. So that was it. Was fun. I got to hang out with and meet a bunch of people. But yeah, super weird event. Like tools that that are outside the woodworking world. Oh yeah, I would never use any of these tools. They, they were like construction site tools. I yeah, remember, they were like these big I, power tools that would like strip the wires. For you know, like 
hanging between telephone poles and stuff. I'm like, I, yeah. uh, we don't need that. I remember, uh, when, I remember like not getting invited to a couple of those and feeling a little insulted, being like, wow, why is anybody, how come like, you are going <laughs> and I'm not going? But then when I eventually went, I was like, this is like a big giant thing for them to just get social media for free. Yeah. I do remember there was um so there was a dinner at some at some place and a few of us tried to sneak out to go to this bookstore because like we were like this is not this is not fun this is I don't even there's no reason for me to be here they wouldn't let us leave they're like <laughs> you know basically like DeWalt is paying for you to be here uh you have to be here so we couldn't sneak no, out it was Weird. Wow. That was yeah. weird because I remember like, that being like one of the ones where so many of us went because there was so many other maybe yeah. a lot of guys that, that are outside of our scope of making like, you know, Kyle was there and, and many other people. I met a lot of friends that, that weekend. We met, remember Wrangler Star was there, like of all people. Wrangler oh, yeah. Star was in yep. the bar. He was like eight feet tall. I met him. And, yep. <laughs> um, just the whole idea of that, that weekend. Then I, I realized like there's never been another one that I was aware that I was personally involved with ever since. I don't think none of us. I mean, because I know Milwaukee oh, does yeah. the same thing, but I think everyone's gotten hip to the idea of like, if I'm going to take a week off or a weekend off and go hang out with a brand, I'm not going to. It's going to be worthwhile. <laughs> it's going to be worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. Not just a, you know, a rodeo and a free hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> the rodeo. <laughs> forgot about that. Oh man. Anyway, oh, they made us yeah. go to a rodeo. Remember that? I forgot about that too. That was also super weird. Yeah. What, Taylor's best friend in the whole world lives in Nashville, and now Anne lives in Nashville. So another reason to go to Nashville for me. But uh, so that was the other reason we went because we went to go see Nick and Natalie. So that was another reason. Yeah. Like the whole family went. We brought the dogs with us and everything. It was fun. Was that the year of the eclipse? And then on the way back, oh, I yeah. watched the eclipse at your house, Bob? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Oh, wow. Because you were right in the uh, the line. Mm-hmm. I forget what that line is called, but yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Anyway, well, for everybody listening anyway. who wasn't there, <laughs> it was a weird start. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to hear what Bob's upset well, Let's about. see. So I think I, I've been kind of in a strange spot lately of working on stuff. Hmm. I haven't formulated my thoughts here. I'm finding that I am really, really interested in the car stuff and working on the Gia, working on other cars. And I'm trying to like temper that a little bit because I don't have a lot of time to put into it. And so I still have all this other stuff to do. And so I don't, I don't really put that much time into the Carmagia or into the other things that I'm thinking about. And so I'm wondering, I'm, I'm being cautious because I'm wondering if I'm interested in that stuff because I can't do it or if I'm actually interested in it. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, there's a little part of me that would that's worried that if I actually had time to put into those things that I would go, oh, this isn't actually as fun as I thought it was or or this is tedious or and i know it's tedious because it's already been tedious but so there's a big like part if you of, had the time would you would you do that with your time or would you choose to do something else yeah or would i burn out on it quickly or like get bored with it or yeah. feel like maybe i'm only interested because it's new or because it's 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 unattainable at the moment you know it's just like a thing that i look forward to but i don't actually get to do 
Um, and I, I feel that way with a lot of stuff. Music is the same way. Like I would love to sit down and actually play music, but then I wonder if I would only love that because I don't get to do it. So I'm still kind of in that place. But all that to say, right now, the thing that is the most interesting to me is actually making progress on the Carmagia because it feels, like I've said before, it feels very stalled. It feels like there's a huge amount of work ahead and I, the bites I get to take out of it are so small that it just feels like I'm not making any progress. So I'm really excited about somehow, I don't know how or when, <laughs> being able to jump in and like, I'm going to finish that thing, that one, you know, that one little area. I want to get that done so that I can stand back and be like, look at that thing. That's done not that's still broken because that's how i look at it now when i look at the car i'm like well it's still not a car anymore <laughs> it's still you know um so i'm really excited about about putting the work into that and i wish like everybody i wish that i were like independently wealthy so i could just not feel the need to work for a little while and just work on the car mm-hmm. you know what i mean that would be so cool and I think that's an unrealistic thing in everybody's lives to just do what you want and never have to worry about making any money. So I, It's I funny because that. that's what my business partner Howard always says to me. Every time we talk on the phone, which is about three or four times a week, he says, he brings it up every week. He's like, I just want to get you to a point where you just make the videos you want to make and not the ones you have to make. I was like, well, love everyone that. I want to make. But he's like, you know, you can be on your own schedule. You don't have to do it every week because I see you killing yourself. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that... That would be amazing, you know. Um, We'd still be killing ourselves for some reason. Yeah, yeah. But but don't you think there would be a different kind of like self-imposed pressure if sure if it were like I don't have to, I want to. And I think now it's it's both of those things for me. It's it's not that I am only doing things because I have to. It's not like I'm only making videos because I have to pay the bills. I want to as well. But it is both of those things, and it would be very different if I was just like. I'm going to go work on the car and I'm going to work on it until it's done. And I don't care how long it takes. I don't care if it's interesting, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to go do the thing until it's done. I think that would be really cool. And so, you know, that's an ideal situation. It's not realistic for pretty much anybody. Um, but all that to say, I, I think the, the possibility of doing more car restoration and really getting deeper into it and not doing like a first pass, not just doing like enough to make it drivable, but to actually like do it well and be, be able to be done with the thing, with the gear and stand back from it and be really proud of it and know that it's going to last for another 30 years or something like that, you know, before it starts to fall apart again. Um, that's really exciting. And I think that's because it's something new it's something that I'm still I'm I'm learning all the time about it, but I still just have so much that I don't know. And a lot of those processes for the car are things that I'm gonna have to do and then realize that I'm not doing them well enough or I'm not doing them correctly and then I get to do it again and you know, so I, I'm actually excited about that. Whereas usually I wanna do something once and like just set it aside, move on and like you know, it's not my job to learn how to do it well. It's my job to learn how to do it and then move on to the next thing to learn how to do. So uh, I think I'm excited because the car stuff is a little bit different. It has a different kind of pull to me. And it's something that I've never 
until the last year or so, you know, I've never really had a lot of interest in, I've never had motivation to do. So the fact that it is motivating is also motivating. <laughs> that sounds kind of <laughs> weird, but, um, you know, so there's that. And then, and I think I'm also just, this sounds weird. Let's get existential for a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm finding myself in a place in life where the separation of, who I am as a job and who I am as a dad and who I am as a husband and as a friend, those things are becoming a little bit more separate or not separate, defined. It's real easy for, I think, all of us to just like lump, I am the the YouTube guy or I am the maker lady or, you know, we are just that person and we are that person to all of the people we run into and to our families and to our audience and to our whatever and as I'm doing this longer and longer and getting older, I'm, I'm just finding that like part of me is over here and is really into this. And part of me is over here and really into this. And those don't have to, I don't have to be all of those things all the time. And so, you know, I'm becoming a little bit more interested and excited about having uh, non-marketable skills. <laughs> Is that a thing to say? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to have things that are just like, I, I just, I don't know. I just like, I, I, we talked about this last week. I want to play piano to be better at piano. Not because I'm going to try to be a musician, not because I'm going to try to put it on YouTube or do anything with it. I just, I yeah. just, I just want to be better at it. And I just want to keep doing it. And, and so Whereas, you know, over the past 10, 15 years, all of us have been like, how can we turn the thing we love into a life? How can we turn it into a job that we can put out into the world and make it profitable and make it so that we can do what we love and get paid for it? Now, I've already, I've got the the thing that's making the life possible. And so now I'm finding more of these things that are over here that I just want to do because I love them, not because I need to turn them into livelihood. Does that make sense? Yeah. I look forward to your TED Talk. Titled "How to Get Good at Things That You Don't Need to Be Good At." <laughs> That's actually really good. <laughs> yeah. So no, I I I, I totally I totally get that. There's uh there's just that sense of of satisfaction of yeah. of just com- completing or just being better at something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think totally that's that. that's new. And for a lot of people, that's just how they are. Uh, for me, that's a little bit new. And I think so. That's why it's top of mind. It's you know it's something different. Um, yeah, so I guess, I guess if anything, if I can say that I'm super excited about anything, it's about life outside of work as well as work. Um, but the, the other stuff outside and just all of the, the car potential that there is. Um, so yeah, there's just so much to do all the time. (laughs) There really is. There really, really is. And, and it's funny because we, We talk about this as a team a lot, just how we have so many ideas. We have so many things that would be, if we could put a month toward this idea, unobstructed, just don't worry about having to like, you know, handle any, any sponsors or don't worry about the videos. Just don't worry about anything except for this one idea. If we could put a month toward that idea, it would be really good. But the mm-hmm. fact, and, and same for this idea, and for that idea, and for this thing, and for that thing. But we have 
moments. We have hours to think about those things at a time before we have to move on to the next thing. And I'm not complaining like boohoo for me having lots of stuff to do. I just mean it, it would, it would be an interesting thing to be able to figure out how to order our time in a way that we could really focus on one thing for a little bit and then focus on a different thing for a little bit, you know, and I, I, I wonder what else we could accomplish if we could organize that time, you know? For myself, when I worked a 40-hour-a-week job, which is actually a 50- to 60-hour-a-week job, yeah. I w- would think, like, oh, man, I want to do this woodbricking stuff or I want to do this music stuff. I just don't have the time because this job is in the way. And it, it was motivating, and it made those things exciting when I could do them in the evenings or on the weekends. And now that I work for myself and I can make my own schedule, I still have all of those things. It's just like I continue. It's like I'm just the, the goldfish that moved from the, 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 the little aquarium, and I'm in a bigger aquarium. But I'm outgrowing the bigger aquarium. Mm. Just no matter where I place myself in life, I'm still my my goals and my obsessions and and, and my wants are st- still overwhelming and consuming. And I think no matter where I'm at, I'm always going to be like that. I'm always going to have those things that I wish I could do, but I can't because I have to do this other thing. It's Parkinson's law. I, it's Parkinson's I law. Parkinson's law. And I don't remember exactly how it's phrased, but basically the amount of work that you have to do will grow to the capacity you have to do that work. You will always fill the space. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's no matter if you're talking about, you know, family stuff or work stuff or hobby stuff or whatever, a lot of us are just built that way to, we will always put in as much as we possibly can to fill the space with interests or with, you know, need or whatever. But, mm-hmm. yep. Anyway, um, We've been talking for over an hour. You guys have anything else on on that you're really excited about? You want to talk about? I, next week it'll it'll be something different. I'll have something <laughs> other than I'm. I'm just I would just be crazy excited about something new. We'll just it's do just the same show next week with different different yeah. nouns. Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, let me thank our Patreon supporters. Um, we got a lot of them, and they are super awesome to help us out every single week. And uh, you know, a lot of these people have been have been supporting us for a really long time. And uh, I'm, I'm just really grateful for that. We had a new supporter today. I'm going to look up his name because I wanted to say thank you just because it came across my email. And, of course, now I can't find it. Uh, his name is Matt. Matt Orendorf. This morning at 8.36 a.m. decided to support us on Patreon. <laughs> so that's oh, pretty dope. Thanks, thank you, Matt. Matt. I know Matt. We talk all the time. Oh, yeah? Cool. Yeah. Well, big thanks to Matt. Uh, but we have lots of other people at all different levels that support us, and they all get the after show. And uh, sometimes we talk about secret stuff. In like, for instance, we've talked about one of the secret things that I've got going in the background, and I want to talk about that a little bit more today. So, if you're curious what that's about, go support us on Patreon, and that's have, you can. Well, I'll talk about I'll talk about an interesting video concept that uh, we're going to make. Tell you about oh. it. It's, not, it's, oh. it's like a little cliche, maybe something we've all talked about. I'm curious what you guys think when I tell you, but okay. I have a sponsor for it. We're going to do something fun. Ooh. Well, if you want to help us out, if you want to get the after show, uh, we would appreciate it. You can go to patreon.com slash making it. 
and and join up over there. Our top supporters that we always say thank you to are Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, You Can Make This Too, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Rich at Lowen Designs, Odin Leather Goods, and Full Steam Designs. But there's lots of other people like Matt and like like other people like Gary Oshust. I don't know how to say your last name, Gary. I'm sorry. That's Spark Workshop. Right. I talk to Gary right? too all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Um, but big thanks to all of them for the support. It, it really does mean a lot. I, I <laughs> We constantly, and we've said this before, we constantly have people who are like, hey, we've got a new robot vacuum uh, and we want to sponsor your podcast. Can we sponsor your podcast for this random LED garage light thing? And we're always like, nope, not worth it. Because we have, <laughs> we have One Patreon day we should talk, talk about the... Th- Thousands of companies who make 3D laser engravers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's, I mean, thousands. Yeah. It's just email after email. They all come like, from the same we, company, but they change they do. the name. They probably yeah. do, but there's like $200 laser engravers that they want me to review. Yeah. Bob, I just sent you a cool project that uh, popped up on my Instagram. It looks like something that you guys would make. It's really cool. Okay. Okay. Talk about it next week. I will check it out. All right, cool. Uh, Well, you got anything to recommend this week before we go? Yeah, I I want to talk about. uh, I might might have mentioned it before, but talk about obsession. I've been becoming obsessed with Whistling Diesel. I know. Oh yeah. Derek and Chris and Paul talk about him all the time, but his videos are funny. And he he just bought a Lamborghini, which is unbelievable because he was just this farm kid who was just making crazy cars on his grandpa's farm. And now he owns a Lamborghini, amongst many other very expensive toys. And it's just fun to watch his his rise in YouTube. It's just it's really fun. It's like you, you really root for him. He's a he's a real he's a real sarcastic teenager. I don't know what I was. He's not a millennial. He's younger than that. He's probably twenty something years old. But it's just fun to watch him. He's got a really snarky, funny attitude, and he recently got ticketed for being in his uh, jet ski on the water because he got into like a verbal altercation with a police officer who was on his own boat off duty. And it's like, well, I'm going to get you. And then an hour later, a couple of cops showed up and gave him and his friends tickets. They didn't even witness what supposedly happened. What? And so he's like, yep, well, now I got to go to Jones County Courthouse Wednesday, June 1st at 8.30 p.m. And he just keeps saying it. And it's so funny. He's going to like, the town is going to be overrun with kids that say free Cody. <laughs> and he just goes, I can't believe it. They want me now to go to court. 8.30 a.m. on June 1st in Jones County yeah, Court. It, it's just like, <laughs> they, they have no idea what they started. And I love that about social media. And I think it's so funny that he's just taking advantage of that. Cool. I have uh, John K. And John, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, but he is a great supporter of Make Something. And uh, he's got a great YouTube channel about using his Glowforge in creative ways. And he also has done just recently did a live stream on Glowforge's channel, and uh, we talked about like if you could just spend a month just doing the one thing, how good you would get at it. I kind of feel like if I just did laser stuff for a month, I feel like I could be super creative and do some cool things at it. Well, this John is super creative and has some great uses. So John K is my pick of the week, and. It's, he's he's a good he's a good supporter, and 
His live stream on the Glowforge channel, like live streams are kind of hard because you have to keep up the flow and, and gold the, 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 the whole time. They're, you know, you can't have dead air. And uh, I was just like an hour into it. I'm like, whoa, an hour just went by. That was, that was really, really, really good. So hmm. check out John K. Yeah, he's a good guy. Um, we've run into John at like several different events. He gave a class at WorkbenchCon. Um using the Glowforge this past year. And uh, yeah, he's a, he's a big supporter of all of us. He's a good guy. He's a college professor, if I remember correctly. Too. Oh, yeah. and a beautiful, beautiful shop. Like like mm. nicely paneled wall. Uh, it's just, mm, that's what I want my shop to look like. <laughs> well, mine is actually the same pick I had last week, but I think I never actually said my pick out loud last week. Because afterwards I was like, I'm, I know I typed it, but I don't think I ever said it. And it was uh, Laura Kampf is renovating a house right now. And she found asbestos. <laughs> and then she also found lead. <laughs> so oh boy. There's this video about like her worrying whether all of the pipes in her house and the paint and everything are you know full of lead. So she was going around the house doing tests of different things and trying to figure out. But it was an interesting thing because it's not something I've ever had to deal with. I've not lived in a house that's that old. Um, but you know, I, having done renovation in a totally different type and different scale, different era, I could really feel her like the excitement of getting into it and then being like, Oh no, this is like way more than I was expecting. And I didn't think about having to deal with this type of stuff. So, um, it's a good video and it's, it's Laura. She's great. So go check. I like her new, she made the barbecue smoker out of the toolbox. It's great. Mm Mm-hmm. She has so many grills. She has more grills than you have, I think. Well, after this week, I'm making two double-barreled smokers that are minis. Two mini double-barreled smokers. So that means two tanks for each one. So four tanks. <clears throat> four tanks, four smoking boxes. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's it. Unless you guys got anything else. <laughs> Not for this show. Not for this show. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank uh, you. We'll see you next you. time. <laughs>